0: Hello and welcome to the Conclave cast. We are a group of writers who connect emerging fantasy authors with readers on the hunt for the next titan of the genre. Every few weeks, we will introduce a new world, a new tale, and a new author so you can learn the story behind the story and meet the creator behind the pen. I'm your host, Tim Fasciola, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Conclave cast. I'm Tim Fasciola and joining me today is Lacey and our very special guest joining us again, the author of the Coming of Age trilogy, E.G. Radcliffe. E.G., thank you so much for coming back for our deep dive today. Thank you so much for having me back for a deep
1: dive
2: today.
0: (laughs) This is the fun part. We're so
2: excited to get into some spoilers because there's so much to unpack (laughs) from this book. It's amazing. Like, if you haven't read this yet, you guys need to stop and just, like, go and read it because, wow. Oh, it's next Y'all are going to make me blush. Uh,
0: and that's why we don't do video, just in case you need to, like... <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no, but seriously. We are going to be talking about all the nitty-gritty in The Hidden King and The Wild Court today. So if you haven't picked up your copies of The Coming of Aid trilogy... Links will be posted in the description. Make sure you check that out, then come back. If you're like, wait, I'm not really sure what all this you're talking about is, we have a teaser talk with EG that we uh, filmed previously, so check that out. You'll get a little bit of a tease, and uh, then once you've read, come back and join us for this edition. So let's jump in. So this is really for... Your fans and I imagine there's so many people who are just like, oh yes, especially like especially after the series is over, like any time you get an opportunity to jump back in and like just be a fan again, get sucked back into the world. Oh, I'm I'm like so happy for like your readers. Um, but what I love about Aid, let's start with Aid and Ronan, right? What I loved about their relationship is that in many ways, through many trying times, they just, they stick together. They're all each other had. And we mentioned this in the teaser talk, but um, found family versus biological family is a theme that carries throughout. And just like, what details can you shed on the untold story of Ronan as a child, like his abandonment and how he ended up with aid? Um, And then, because aid has his own issues with abandonment that we we get to see and witness um of an awkward you know reunion with with his uh biological family um so what can you share with us about um ronan's abandonment and the significance that had on aid processing his own
1: yeah absolutely so aid really has a twofold kind of abandonment uh he's got biological family, um, of which he only has a letter from his mother, um, and he doesn't even get a chance to read that letter until he's like 10. Um, and then he has the abandonment from his adopted, uh, mother, um, in the maze. So when it comes to interacting with Ronan, um, it's kind of a sense of never letting it happen to him. Um, and, you know, that, that leads to this kind of attachment, you know, where something bad happening to Ronan is the worst possible thing that could happen to Aid. Even when in The Hidden King, Aid is in the dungeon, you know, not having a good time. Um,
0: as people tend to do in dungeons.
1: <laughs> as, as people tend to do in dungeons. They don't have a good time, I have heard. Never been in a dungeon. It's probably miserable. Anyway, Ronan's on the forefront of his mind, um... And so that kind of, you know, I really liked watching their dynamic because in the maze, Ronan needs that. He's also a little boy. As he progresses, as he grows, he's 15 in the wild court and he's, you know, stable. He's in a safe place. He has love and he's looking for a little bit less of a stifling atmosphere. That doesn't mean, of course, that he's not grateful, but he's 15 and he wants to get out. So the effect that that had on Eid was also kind of fun to look at because he is aware of this need, is aware of the fact that he did a good enough job with Ronan that Ronan's capable of having these feelings, but it also hurts to give him that independence when something bad happening to him is his worst fear.
2: I really, loved the the way that Ronan as he's older like you really portrayed him as that not unruly but that teenager who he just wants more he wants excitement like he's he had a lot of excitement as a child it maybe not excitement isn't the word but you know he had a lot going on as a child and then he (laughs) right and you know what Thank you, Tim. <laughs> and then he ended up in this very um, stable, re- not relationship, but upbringing with with Aid. And you know, you can tell that Aid has definitely sacrificed a lot for him, and that like there is a certain level of trust that they have with each other. And then I just loved how from the beginning when Ronan feels so stifled, and then he grows and goes on to be independent and then at the moment where he's alone and he has to do something by himself in order to further the plot and what happens at the end um like he actually second guesses it and he he's worried about it and he's worried about aid and the tables turn and i just love the growth of his character in that respect um I don't know that there was a question in there, but I just wanted to like say how much I loved Ronan because his, his character was by far my favorite one. So, well,
0: what's really interesting is how, like you, so because of the nature of their relationship, right? Like you said, there is the age gap is too, too small to be parent child, but also like their role functions are not close enough to siblings that they can really grasp onto that either. So when Ronan comes into his own, he like, there's a natural teenage angst, but it's really just like teenagers wanting to have enough separation from their, their nest, if you will, to kind of blossom into their own, you know, their own identity, like figure out who am I, how do, how do, how would, I know how aid would like want me to do this. I know how aid would do this, but like, how would I, as Ronan, want to do this? What is the best way for me to do it? And I think that is such a relatable um, reader experience, whether you are the child, whether you are the uh, younger sibling, or if you're the parent or the older sibling, because that, that requires a degree of letting go. And that letting go is really trust. And mm. that's like the relinquishing of control Is is – something that becomes it it becomes so tantamount to um the climax of of this series um and when they're when they're separated um like coming into the the siege um and carrying out their different roles like how did you use their individual arcs their trajectory their individual how did their individual growth impact their um ability to Kind of put that trust in one another, um, and carry out what what made for the ending.
1: Yeah, so that particular dual arc was something that I had put a lot of planning to, um, even you know, before I started writing the Wild Court, mm. because um, you know Ronan's arc is kind of craving independence, has independence maybe realizes that, you know, it's not or it's not entirely wrong, um, about, you know, protecting him, but also, you know, he has had a taste of that independence and he was good at it. Um, so, you know, it is it is growth, but it's also moderation. Um, and AIDS is it is just kind of letting Ronan grow up. And that's obviously something that he wants. He wants what's best for Ronan. Um But relinquishing that protection is terrifying for him, and he needs to do it. Um, So the, the connection between those, the dynamic between those, created some tension between them, as, you know, you can see throughout the book. But it also never destabilized the inherent trust that, you know each person had in each other trust not to do something stupid no that's out the window but trust in you know the other person (laughs) as someone who you know would never intentionally harm the other that kind of trust is very present don't trust ronan not to do something stupid
2: yeah that kind of went out the window um very early on when he decides to sneak over the veil like that's peak teenage rebellion (laughs) and i was just like i was reading and waiting for it because i was just like oh, yeah, he's going to do something that he should not do. What is it? And then he shows up. I was just like, oh, no, you left the human world without protection. Oh, my goodness. Like, Mm it's going to have your head on a platter. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, and then it's, you know, what I thought was really interesting was that there's no way to undo it, you know, like, you can't go back. So you just kind of have to cope with it. Um, And, uh yeah, that was fun, but we, not we, for them. But, yeah, sure. but
0: in many ways, that's so <laughs> that's so true to life, right? Like, not, you don't. There is no undo. There's no edit undo. Mm-hmm. There's no um, like take back. There's, there's no, no
2: control Z. Yeah, it, yeah.
0: In 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 life, you make a decision and you you kind of have to ride with the consequences. And um, the the magic system that allows for entry into um, the Fae realm. Yeah, you got a while to wait before you can uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, click undo on that one. Um, and it obviously changes the whole dynamic of um you know what what was happening both obviously wouldn't have found success in the Fey realm if Ronan wasn't there. But my thought like reading, I was like, Well, wait, what's happening in the human realm? Like, is is that something that um if you had had the page space that, um, you wanted to explore, like as, as a, as a, like what behind the scenes things were you thinking that didn't make the cut that your readers might've been like, Ooh,
1: (laughs) a good bit. Um, a lot of it completely mundane. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ronan pretty much dipped out of the human realm and just left it. And so that was, you know, that was having its own plot that we just didn't see during mm. the entire book um fortunately he left kane in charge probably the smartest thing he could have done but you know i mean he's not he's not dumb he's not dumb he's not dumb uh he's smart and impulsive which is a dangerous combination um Ooh. but uh you know that that i think i hinted at the end of the book that going back you know we might have we've ended our plot quite nicely but going back there's still going to be a little little cleanup to do um Mm -hmm. and so you know since all of the main characters were like by necessity completely detached from that um i wasn't thinking about it too too much outside of like there's gonna be work to do later in the abstract
0: future Um, future mm -hmm. aid problems
1: exactly exactly (laughs) um but you know um in the hidden king there's a period where there is no king in the throne and you kind of Mm -hmm. can see what starts happening in the city uh when it's just the august guard kind of the august guard and the council of the king kind of holding court without a king um and i'd imagine it would be Something similar to that, yeah. That's fair. I
0: I feel like the the court system that you created, um, both in the human realm, but really the fae realm. Like the oh, it's just it. Like the moon, the bone, the sand, the garnet, meadow, gold, and glass. Like they're each they sound so unique. Um, where did you like draw inspiration for them? And like, like I I. We asked in the in the teaser, like, are we ever going to explore some of the other lower courts?
1: Um, yeah, well, that's the sort of thing I would definitely like to do art for. Mm. Um, I might release, you know, short stories or snippets. Um, probably not, not any more books. I'm afraid. Um, I have started a, a new exciting project. Um,
0: Ooh, we might need to get you to tell a little bit more.
1: I might need to tell you a little bit about (laughs) that. Um, But as far as the low courts, um, I don't actually, oh, this is honest. I have no idea where that came from. I don't know. Like, I know that their alliances were purely, primarily, not purely, but primarily aesthetic because, like, you know, Bone, sand, and garnet all seemed kind of gritty and bloody, but like the other ones, like the you know moon, glass, meadow, gold—they all seemed a little bit prettier, mm-hmm. I guess. And so I was like, "That's fine." <laughs> yeah. Um, but that was kind of before I figured out like the personalities of each court, so that grouping was mostly arbitrary. But then as I developed it, it became a lot less so. Uh,
0: it's so it's so cool though. Like I imagine like the settings of them that that artwork. Must be uh, just exquisite. (laughs) Fun.
2: (laughs) I should really do that. Yeah.
0: You're welcome, fans. You're welcome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're giving me. We just created more content. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, that that'll be really fun okay, I need to stop thinking about that. What was the next
0: question? <laughs> so uh, it was really just like, you know will we get to visit and, like where are the inspiration you you answered you answered those questions okay um so but let's talk a little bit about the first um the first time we get to enter the bone court um who this was heavy, right? like this is aid getting to reunite with his biological family, and it's the furthest thing from like warm as mm-hmm. bone court might imply. Um, my heart breaks for this guy. Like I can only imagine how difficult it was to like actually sit down and write this feeling what aid was feeling. Um, mm-hmm. like all the complex relationships between, you know, he and his mother and he and his siblings. Um, and even his siblings within the, the siblings with the siblings, the siblings with their mother, like there's just so much going on in that one scene. Um, And so what about like that interpersonal tension was so profound for you? Like, what did you draw from to bring that scene to life?
1: Yeah. um, Well, I drew from a heating pad and a glass of wine (laughs) on the couch at 3 in the morning. I love Um, that. (laughs) Yeah. But... um, So relatable. Yeah, right. (laughs) More seriously, I, uh, I guess... The I, I'm fortunate enough to not have the kind of experience that would give me a direct parallel to uh, AIDS. Thank the Lord. But, um, you know, I, I think that everyone has some sort of interfamily tension that they can relate to and everybody is going to have a different dynamic with their siblings if they have any versus, you know, parents or grandparents or whatever. So I think that the inter-sibling relationships and the sibling parent relationships excluding aid were fairly easy to write because their tensions were all relatively mundane. Like Irla's always going to be a little annoyed at Finley because the man has just completely different values. You know, like one of them's a bookworm Mm -hmm. and the other one will be working out. It's just, you know, it doesn't mean anything that kind of tension, but it's there. And so that's just kind of like the baseline sibling stuff. But when it comes to aid and his siblings and aid and his mother, different animal. Um, and I also wanted to kind of delve into the differences between Aid's siblings and Aid's mother because, you know, they obviously the siblings are going to see him very differently than Nyasa Mm -hmm. will, Nyasa, uh, his mom, Um, especially given the fact that the siblings have a history with her that Aid never got a chance to have. Um, They have insider information that he has never been privy to. And so they're going to be the connection, the conduit, that kind of guides the situation together. Um, I wouldn't say facilitate because it was not facile. (laughs) but um you know what i'm saying it, it was a lot of fun to write all of their different personalities um and i that one scene where like he gets to the bone court i wrote like almost 5000 words in 3 hours because i couldn't like stop and pick it up later <sighs> oh, because man. i was like in it you know like once you're when in, you're that in that the kind zone of emotion, you're in the zone
2: exactly yes.
1: like once you're feeling that kind of emotion as soon as you break it off and come back it's not gonna feel like exactly the same and i'm of right. an emotional writer so i kind of ha- i can't like do it without feeling it yeah
2: that sounds like a really late night if you started at 3 a.m. Because, whew.
1: Yeah. No, I pretty much didn't sleep, and I had work the next day, but it was fine. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you can't stop
0: in the middle of a scene like that.
2: You can't stop. Exactly. Exactly.
0: And for- The
2: sacrifices we make.
0: Readers out there mm-hmm. who are like, you know, 5,000 words in three hours, if that is just an arbitrary thing, that's like an unbelievable feat. That is amazing. <laughs> like, yeah. That's like- what was in that wine?
1: <laughs> it's, it's a rare feat, I promise you. That is not my average.
2: But that's how you know it was like a really profound scene and that it was, I feel like if I'm writing a scene and it's, you know, one of those moments where you're just so into it and so ingrained with it, that conversely, the readers are going to have that same attachment to it. So, like, I totally understand where you're coming from, like, like, you don't want to break that stride, because if you do, then the disconnect, it's going to show.
1: It was also, like, very cinematic in my head, like, I could see everything very clearly,
2: and like, you don't want to let go of that while you have it.
1: Oh, of course not.
2: Oh, my gosh. And that is one of, like, my favorite scenes in the entire book, because it is so visual. And you can feel the emotions, like you can feel the cold of the bone court, like it's magnificent. So, the, like whatever was in that wine, I might need. I might need <laughs> that brand. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it like
1: seven dollars at Trader Joe's, man. <laughs> it did the trick. It did the trick.
0: <laughs> I I mean the the lasting beauty of the Wild Court, though, is like. It, its its roots are found in this scene at the Bone Court because um, it's all about people coming together in the end when it matters most. And Aid inspires this unification. If Aid doesn't come, like if Aid doesn't come to the Bone Court, um, the Bone Court, the, the, the low courts never unite. Mm-hmm. It, it just won't happen. But like his presence there brings out this you know stronger together and it resonates throughout and other characters pick it up as they go um and like it just it just i mean flat out just works but um thanks like what what about this um stronger together mentality was so important to you
1: um i think it was uh it wasn't something that i was consciously choosing like to incorporate as a discrete theme you know while i was writing um but it definitely came about you know as i was doing it because one of the low court's main issues when they're you know trying to combat the high court is they are divided you know you have the sort of moon alliance and the bone alliance and if they work together which they did at the end until moon stabbed them in the back but that's a different thing like that was the only way it worked. Um, and uh, and so it was actually, you know, this is something I did put a lot of thought into, um, is that aid is both an insider and an outsider. I kind of didn't want the idea of like a complete stranger swooping in and fixing everything. It just didn't feel like as real, I guess, because, you know, I really wanted the feeling that these are you know old cultures who have been doing their thing for you know millennia and they have a lot of history and their own stories or whatever that we didn't get a chance to tell maybe but like they're there and so just you know some random guy coming in and fixing everything would be very convenient but not necessarily realistic so I kind of liked you know stronger together includes stronger like with help and also stronger on it like I don't know What am I saying? I have thoughts and you'd think I'd be better with words. I don't know, it's like, aid is a force to bring together pre-existing entities, you know? And of course he brings his own merit to the table, but that's a lot of his plot role. You know, if we're just stripping character out of the equation. Um, So, oh my God, I'm sorry, I'm so distracted. My cat is sprinting around.
0: anyway (laughs) this is where this is where video would be great because we would get we'd get to witness that um no but i think like that makes sense like he is the conduit that allows for the unification of others he he is because of everything he suffers in the hidden king because of everything he's been through to get to this point um his experiences position him he's like been forged into this malleable but also like so, like there's strength in that malleability that he can withstand like his pride doesn't get like wounded like being in that situation to the point where he can't mend rifts um and yeah. the way in which he inspires that to me was just like ah oh, like i want to be like a like i want <laughs> <laughs> like that's a superpower to be able to walk into yeah. a place like the bone court and, um, and, and make allies. And mm-hmm. I imagine. He's a very
1: good diplomat. Yeah.
0: Oh, and like th- mm-hmm. th- that shows. So like one of the, one of the questions we had written down was, um, when Ryan and aid returned to their respective kingdoms, like after all of this, like how, how has this, this experience impacted their future rule? Like, they they will be better kings having gone through all of this.
1: Yeah, so Rian and Eid are kind of uh, foils to each other in a certain sense. Um, They have, you know, certain similar experiences and also some that are very different in a very character-shaping way. Um, You know, to an extent, Rian caved under pressure, and there wasn't a whole lot he could do in that situation. I'm not trying to, you know, say he's a bad guy. Um, And... There were points when, in his past, Eid did too, they're both trying to get past that. The difference is that Rian is trying to kind of, in some way, atone for his own sins, I guess. You know, he wants to be a better leader than the one the queen was. And he wants to undo the damage that he was kind of forced to inflict. Eid is just in front of kind of fixing other people's damage you know, he's not the, he's not at fault for those problems. And of course, Rian's not entirely at fault, either. Complicated situation, that one. But um, I think that the idea, especially for Rian, that he has allies, you know, that, that people will come together and that they will, you know, care about the same issues that he cares about. I think that's very, that's going to be very meaningful for him going forward. And he's, he was isolated for a long time, so, you know, forming uh, a support group both emotionally and politically is, is definitely uh, going to be something he does. And I'm sure that, you know,
2: Eid will probably visit. They're probably pals. I don't know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, th- I think people would um, love that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, you're you touching on uh, Rian and his his past a little bit. And, like, the chapter where he reveals um, all of his past and everything to, to aid is, it's really, it's emotional. It's, it got to me. I was tearing up a little bit during it, just reading about what he had been through, um, because it was, you laid it out so well. Um, how much planning did you put into his story before actually writing it into the chapter? Um, was there like a lot more that we aren't seeing or is what we see, what we get?
1: Um, I guess in the way, yes, there's more that you're not seeing, but it's mostly like, it's mostly just made slightly more PG, I guess. Not because I wanted, you know, that not because I thought my audience couldn't handle it or anything, but just because I feel like at some point describing every detail gets gratuitous. And this is not Game of Thrones as much as I feel freaking love song of ice and fire unrelated. Um, you know, I, uh, I wanted to, to sort of let the audience fill in what, you know, what level Mm -hmm. they were comfortable with. Um, but to that end, like, yeah, that scene had been planned for a long time. And so it just, when I sat down to write it, it came down to like, how exactly I'm going to write it. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, that was a, that was a tough one. There was a lot of emotion there, and especially since it was pretty much being expressed through dialogue, it was important that I dialogue from the perspective of someone who's not Rian. You know, it was from Aids' perspective. Uh, Aids' perspective. Every time I have an E sound in the next name, I start Aids' name with E, which is anyways. Um, <laughs> I do the same anyways. So, uh, it's from Aids' perspective, um. And so that made it kind of, kind of a trick to make sure that I was getting the emotion out without making it, you know, kind of the equivalent of a a dialogue info dump. Um, so I'm glad you think I did a good job on that (laughs) because, you know, I know a lot about his backstory and I, I need to, I needed to make sure that came across.
0: Yeah. It's almost hard to rein it in, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because you don't want to get, like, excessive to the point where it's going to pop the reader out or anything.
2: But the man's seen some stuff. Yeah,
0: <laughs> he's been through and, the ringer.
2: Yeah, and it help, really helps build up for for the final climatic moment with uh, Rhiannon and, and Ade uh, with the Fairy Queen. And, like, wow. Like have I don't think that the ending would have had quite the same effect on me without that explanation because I mean I'm I'm jumping ahead in our questions here
0: that's okay but, that's okay <laughs> flow with it
2: um, you know it builds so well like throughout with all of the other characters where you get a little bit of this backstory of what the queen has done and how she's manipulated people but it's not until you meet Rianne that it's like you know, it, it really sinks in that, you know, we've only been getting one side of the story from the low courts and the way that they see it. But here's where it's coming from on the other side for Rianne. And then conversely, when Aide decides to trust him and he turns around and has to convince the others to trust him, like that was also a really profound moment. So, um, well, let me go to my question here. <laughs>
1: I do like the point you brought up about, you know, the perspectives because, you know, setting him up to be kind of just a black and white villain um, was definitely fun while I was, you know, writing that part. But I was always knowing the entire time, like, nah, mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he's, he's guilty of the stuff they say he's guilty of, but he is also a victim himself, um, right. which was a pretty, pretty interesting dynamic to, to play with.
2: And it really gave like the roots of how far the queen would go to manipulate, to get what she wanted, which is exactly. everything by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> and it adds such depth, right? Like when, and spe- like specifically this climactic moment, right. Um, mm-hmm. when, when she's kind of like using her, her emotional manipulation, um, on aid, um, first of all, total squirm, like real, real cringy, like, oh no, like skin crawly type, um, stuff. Um, but it's once again, people coming together when Rianne grants Aid the ability to hold the ax, like, I'm like, I'm like getting up, I'm getting <laughs> punching stuff. I'm like, yeah, like <laughs> that it's, it's moments like that. And when, when a disabled person who has never, been able to hold and he's given that um and that's what something that fantasy can do right um Mm -hmm. it's it's giving the magical ability to um he holds this axe he claims his hero moment like what do you think it meant what did it mean for you what did it mean for aid to like to have
1: that moment Mm -hmm. i think for ate uh, well i imagine it was probably nice he's been you know dealing with workarounds for much of his life you know for basic stuff like opening doors and and eating and writing you know um and so just to have a moment where it's not an issue and on top of that to have that moment be kind of the thing that fixes everything i imagine that's kind of cathartic um but you know the man also eats hero soup for breakfast so <laughs> i think that uh it probably wasn't, you know. It wasn't entirely um, like a world-changing kind of. It wasn't. It wasn't like, oh, now that I'm able, everything is fixed. Sure. You yeah. Know? Of course not. Um, right. So, uh, I think that as as king, and he's been king for like you know years at this point, he's probably had to, you know. Rectify a lot of situations that felt world-ending at the time. This one is clearly another level, um, but he's not inexperienced in that regard. It's another body to the kill count. He's got three <laughs> now, but uh,
0: you know, no big deal, no big deal. Just uh, no, no, fairy and only. you know,
2: two. Two of the three are uh, rulers. We have a king and a queen. So like, you know, he's really,
1: he's got a a little murder type there. Gee, should we be worried? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe
0: it's not hero soup. I don't know. Should we? Maybe it's not hero soup. (laughs) Um, I was actually thinking when you said that, I was like, maybe it was that uh, $7 Trader Joe wine. That That uh, (laughs) might
1: have been it. Actually, that might have been the stuff.
0: (laughs) The secret stuff. No, but that, it was just such an impactful Moment, the way um, Rianne and Aid come together, they defeat the Queen, and they, 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 the path to redemption for the um, for the Fey Realm can now begin, right? Like mm-hmm. this, the it's not, it doesn't, like you said, doesn't change much beyond that. It doesn't fix any of the problems uh, for Aid personally or the world. Um, but now we get to actually do something about it without mm-hmm. her interference. Um, but it was just once again like I get out of my chair, fist pump type moment. <laughs> um, it was That's good to hear. Really cool to celebrate. Um, but we have yet to really give credence to one of I, I imagine your fan, one of your f- like fan favorite characters of Eamon.
2: oh my my gosh yes like we we, i've I've been waiting for this
0: we can't (laughs) we can't not talk about this guy and um the things he's had to go through um over the course of the wild court so Mm -hmm. um specifically like his injury uh the the leg that the moon court um the creates for him um this is one of the biggest wild cards in the entire series um and it it literally controls his actions, and it nearly makes him kill AIDS family. Um, like that was nuts to me. Like uh, it was such a twist. And if anyone else saw it coming, good for you. I didn't see it coming. <laughs> Lacey, did you see no. it coming?
2: No, nope, not even at all. Not even at all. And it, but it's hiding. I'm, I'm pretty sure I threw my book across the room at that point. <laughs> oh I was like, "Are you kidding, kidding me? Like he <laughs> can't be stabbing people right now. Like these people just oh, he's, saved stabbing the world people and right he's stabbing people right now." He's stabbing. You know, I was very upset, but I was so yeah. excited about it at the same time. Like it was a very weird feeling to be thrust in the middle of.
0: Yeah. But there's so much depth to this moment too. And like, I, I got this feeling, um, like after, after suffering a, like a grievous injury like this, um, I imagine like that can come to almost Define someone, right? Like Mm. in especially, you know, we've talked about uh in the teaser, we mentioned like, well, AIDS had this, but Eamon, this is new to him. This is this is new territory. Um and like you have your, your identity, and now all of a sudden becoming disabled, this this has gotta have an emotional toll. And um the way I kind of read it um was like the leg. His leg took on an identity of itself, in and of mm-hmm. itself, um, and it kind of infected his own identity as a person and, like, taking control of him. Um, was this was – th- this moment hit me, like, just on another level. W- was this intentional? Like, can you take us through the process of setting this up and, um, you know, what deeper meanings there were behind, like, the, the, the series' biggest plot twist?
1: Yeah, so this is actually something that I put like a lot, a lot of thought into. um, Because, you know, so many moving parts, so many emotional moving parts, I really wanted to make sure I did it right. Um, Eamon is, he is such a character, you know, like he has such a distinct personality, he has such clear goals, you know, in terms of of what he wants as a person. Um, And he never loses those, but here comes something destabilizing you know his his ability to do so or you know his perceived ability to do so, which becomes quite literal um, and so it's kind of the the interplay, I guess, between like his autonomy and what is being forced on him externally. Um, you know, for obviously, for a lot of it, there's a plot purpose for this, but you absolutely can, and I intended you to sort of be able to read into this, and that's why it's so important at the end of the book that he gets a different prosthetic. It is on his terms. You know, um, it's it's a kind of, of of self. You know, the difference between self definition and being defined externally. Um, Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very important because especially maintaining throughout the fact that he did not, you know, lose who he was as a person. It was people trying to kind of take it um, that he held it, you know, and he he took it at the end. It, I don't know.
2: Yeah, I thought about
1: that. Yeah. Part.
2: And I mean, you planted those seeds so well throughout the story oh, thank that you I mean. You knew something was up, especially when Amon starts, like, waking up in the forest after walking mm. towards Mooncore, co- uh, moon and, like, you don't really know why, even though it seems some of the other characters know what's happening, and then at the end, everything just, it all collides, and it's it was just on another level to be able to see um to see his it was like you said where he went full circle in a lot of ways and then that final moment where he's presented with the leg that um the aid has made for him it's just i mean it was emotional it really was the the whole ending of the book was very emotional for me yeah no i'm i'm glad to hear that yeah
0: So with, with that, is there, is there anything that like, you know, this is kind of like that soapbox moment. Is there anything like you would like to tell your readers, your fans, um, that like about anything? I just, this is like the, 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 floor is yours.
1: Yes. I will tell you that I am not over Ninian. I'm not over him and I won't be, (laughs) I, I gotta tell you, like I love Eamon, I really do. And I think that he and Aid have a, a good dynamic, a very healthy dynamic. They will be very happy together. But, you know, it's been seven years for them and it's only been like two for me. So I gotta say, writing that, like starting a new romance for Aid, it hurt me a little bit. Mm. Just a little bit, because I'm not over him. But um, you know, Eamon is a, a very, very good uh good partner.
2: I, I feel like that um that attachment that you have to Ninian actually played to your benefit because aid really holds out until the very end on Amen. And then, it, mm-hmm. you know, there are several moments that kind of click with him, but like, I think that your hesitation on letting go of Ninian definitely, um, had an impact on how aid interacted with Amen and, you know, with a lot of other characters too, but specifically mm-hmm. in that relationship. So I think that that's really interesting that, um, that you're also very attached to that relationship. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, and it feels, you know, it it was a very powerful relationship. You know, it was yeah, it was very very meaningful. It was definitive. And so it was definitive, and it was formative, and it was. It's not the sort of thing that you can just move on. It's not a bad breakup. You know, it's like a. Huge, life shattering kind of thing. And it felt like it wouldn't be quite honest to the dynamic that they had to just have him move on. Even if it's been seven years, you know, he's not just going to forget. So, right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That, that stays with you. And, Mm -hmm. uh, This is a story that certainly will stay with your fans, even if it grieves me to hear that there's not gonna be more from this world. But Uh, I would be remiss if we finished having you on and we didn't talk about what's next for you. What can your readers expect coming out from E.G. Radcliffe next?
1: Yes, so I have been planning. I have been scheming. I have been opening OneNote documents with 10,000 tabs. (laughs) I'm I'm up to stuff um so I this this new series it's um it's gonna be some number of books um but uh I basically I have the plot and I have the first book entirely outlined and then I have like loose outlines for a second and third um and that will probably wrap it up it'll probably be another trilogy I might get frisking out a fourth um but uh it's it's a much bigger world there are many more characters, so it's a big cast. Um, but it's also, you know, I think at this point I've got a bit of a brand in terms of magic that's part of the world, but not, you know, it's not quite high fantasy, if you know what I mean. It's like the magic is is there and it's part of life, but it's not exactly like, um, I guess it's... Yeah, I feel so bad comparing myself to a legend, but it's more in you know magic wise song of ice and fire as opposed to like wow, this is completely on the other end of the spectrum, but it's it's more like that as compared to like Percy Jackson, sure, we're really wild in mm-hmm. with the metaphors um but um, I've kind of continued that, so i'm I'm working on a a completely original magic system, um which is very fun. it's kind of based more on like. Uh, ritual magic as opposed to innate magic. Um, So that's going to be a lot of fun to work with. I've got some really cool characters who I'm already very attached to and I think you'll like them a lot. Um, The goal is to finish at least the first book um, and then try and query agents and traditionally publish. So it might be a while before y'all see it. Um, However, I am also not the most patient of people. So if it takes more than like five years, I'm probably going to self-publish again. In fact, it probably will take more than five years. So, you know, just (laughs) we'll suss that out as it goes. Um, But uh, yes, I am very excited about this. Um, And I really, I'm glad that I had the coming of aid because now I've got this, I've got this foundation of experience and I am Putting it to use, let me tell you. Um, mm-hmm. There's going to be pirates. Oh. There's going to oh. be, yeah, no, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be great. There's going to be magic and pirates and a lot of snow and it's going to be really cool. So stay tuned for that. Awesome. <laughs> oh, also I, I, sh- I would, should mention it's going to be adult. It's going to be adult uh, okay. fantasy instead of YA. I am branching out. I am, yes.
0: Well, it seems like your, your readers will have an opportunity to grow with you, which is awesome. That is super cool, and we are so excited to learn more and hear more. So if you're not following E.G. Radcliffe, we will post links. If you have, obviously, you've read. Um, if you're, I hope you've read. If you've just listened to our deep dive, you better have read. <laughs> Otherwise, you just spoiled everything for yourself. Oh
1: goodness.
0: So, uh, but if you want to reread, not a bad, not a bad use of your time as you wait for uh, this next new adult uh, adult fantasy that should be coming out in the next next few years. So. Yeah. E.G., thank you so much for taking this time to sit down and talk about the Coming of AIDS series. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right. So links posted. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Tune in next time and we hope you join us on our next adventure.